a Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. And today, we have with us the Bossa Nova King of Northeast Ohio, the Sultan of Samba, Moises Borges. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> Thanks for I came up with that on the way here today. Thanks it's for the king. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really a, an honor to have you in here with us. Thank you. Um, so if you don't know Moises, he's a um, plays phenomenal guitar. Um, he kind of plays like the a Brazilian jazz style, the bossa nova and uh, samba is is what you normally. That's the main, but you do other things as well. It's not just that, but um, and and uh, I have a hard time trying to figure out the differences between all these things. I was trying, but all I know is it's an amazing thing to to uh, watch and listen to. But thanks for coming on. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you for hosting me. Not a problem. Not a problem. Here, um, so let's just uh, start from the beginning. You uh, originally from Brazil, correct? I was born in in Bahia State near Salvador, where I grew up, and um, I spent some time. The uh, four first years of my life, I stayed with my mom. My mom is from an indigenous tribe in Brazil, and. That's why I have all these connections with the indigenous on that area. It's a tribe called Patasho, and they speak a language called Pachuhan, which I used to understand more than I do today, but I still know a bunch of words. But also, most of them speak Portuguese because of the proximity with the villages surrounding it in the south of the state. It's in a beautiful area called Coroa Vermelha, which means Red Crown, and that name is because of a, a reef that is by the beach. And there is a very nearby city called Porto Seguro, <clears throat> which it was the first city, the first place that the Portuguese came when they discovered the lands on the Occident. And they, they discovered it because they saw a mountain that sticks out. They can see away from the sea. And when they came close, there was a straight up set of reefs on the water that makes it a natural port for the big big boats to pull in and do not have problem with the, with the waves it breaks the waves for them it's a natural port so they called it porto seguro which is a safe port or secure port or something awesome so so what you were in brazil for how long before you came to america and why did you come here to uh Especially Cleveland, what what brought you all the way here? Um, I I was working in Miami, and my wife wants to move here to have the baby close to her mother and her sister. Her sister was pregnant, so we moved here in 1999, um, and I stick around because now you know family reasons. That's why I moved here, and that's when I when I started playing the guitar and everything. Because up to when. I moved here. I was working as a photographer for some magazines and newspapers in Miami, Brazil, and Europe. I've done over a thousand weddings. You still do it, photography? I do, yes. I still do and have all the, all the equipment. But I don't advertise it so much because it's probably 20% of my time for photography right now. Other than that, I'm recording and writing and playing music and doing tours. 
or collaborating with some musicians that are in town. I like doing that very much. Matter of fact, <clears throat> on these last recordings that I've been doing, there's a lot of the uh, collaborations done, which I had a pleasure to record with Diego Figueredo, which is, it's, he has two awards at the Montreux International Guitar Competition. And Chichito Valdez, that was in town as well, we recorded three songs. And Chichito is from the Bonavista Social Club, and his father and his grandfather, Bebo, and Chucho Valdez. Chichito now lives in Mexico, where I spent three weeks last month. Also, I recorded with Chiara Easy from, from Italy, a bossa nova song that she likes very much. And she recorded it in... Uh, Italian, and I recorded in Portuguese on the same song, so it was really cool. And also, Kim Peplowski, which is from Cleveland, and lives in New York, but it's one of the most amazing clarinet and saxophone players of the U.S. He is also in a couple of songs. And, but there's a bunch of good people. There's Nabiki Okaro from Nigeria that is a rapper, and he used to live in Cleveland, but he moved to California a few years ago. But we still kept in touch, and we recorded. Oh, matter of fact, he just sent me another rap for a new song. <laughs> so really, you're collaborating with rappers and all kinds of different... Everybody, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I did uh, one song with a choir from the First Unitarian Church of Cleveland, which is on Shaker Boulevard, and they have about 20 pieces. So they have uh, the tenors, sopranos, contraltos, and um, I, it's original. All these are original songs. And and that choir is so beautiful. All those voices over over laying in each other. And right now, when I was in Mexico, I did. I wrote. A, I wrote a song in a style that's called frevo. It's a pretty close to a march. It's very good for hymns and chants for uh, teams and things like that. And I had uh, the arranger from. Brazil called Marcelos Leone, which he leads the big band for Ivete Sangalo, which is our type of Lady Gaga type of superstar in Brazil. Okay. So uh, this the cast of names is amazing, and all the master, mastering the songs I did with Carlos Freitas, which is now probably the best sound man in Brazil. He does all the superstars in Brazil, and I did with him exactly because my friends were saying, you got to do this with Carlos Freitas. So all the mastering was done with Carlos Freitas. There's a bunch of good stuff coming up. Matter of fact, um, there's a song that I, the one I sent you the link today, it's called Voltar para Salvador. And that song I wrote for my dad because he was here visiting, and he was asking me, when he got back in Brazil, he asked me, when are you coming to visit me now? Yeah, I did my visit. So I wrote a song to respond to him. <laughs> <laughs> and just instead of answering it, he you just... Started, yeah. yeah. So I started singing the song on the phone and recorded it to my phone real quick and I sent it back to him. Here's my answer. So uh, when I was actually taking a look on the song, I was like, oh, come on, I can't actually make this song really awesome because we can do this, we can do that. So I had about four horns and probably 18 different drums on the song. And uh, oh, there's a, a lot of percussion. It's really a story, you know, <laughs> telling my dad that I'm going to come back and visit and take him 
for a few rides to go to the places where he likes to visit and places where he likes to buy bananas and we're going to hang out in this part of town. Da, 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 da. So the song came out one <laughs> super production. I think I've never spent so much money in one <laughs> song in my life because we did a four-minute song that's amazing. I'm actually submitting it to the Grammys and to the Latin Grammys as well. And we did a video clip in, in, in Salvador uh, with the song. I hope you can show it. It came out really pretty. And we, with all the colors and drumming and images of the city and the old city in Brazil, too. It'll be out. I'll be up on there. I'll have nice. everything up. Um, so what you're actually saying is that in 1999, when you came here, that's when you started to play guitar? Yes, um, I always had contact with the instrument, but I bought an instrument for me so I could have it every day. But you, so up until then, you played around with t guitars here and yeah. there, but it wasn't. T you didn't start taking it seriously till then. No, I was not taking it seriously. But you know, um, when I was actually trying to play some songs, and some people would approach and say, "Hey, I really like what you're doing. Da 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 da. da. Can you play uh, the girl from Ipanema? Can you play one note samba and all these bossa nova tunes, which are pretty tricky to play and they are not easy." And I started noticing that uh, the, the community here actually has that luck of artists from Brazil that will show the bossa nova. And I started applying myself, applying time and practicing and studying and learning. And, and then little by little, I kept putting the camera to the side <laughs> and switched. I quit my full-time job, but then I became part-time, so I didn't have more time to play gigs. And then I started getting steady gigs everywhere, and I just, okay, I'm going to switch to musician. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like it was a good switch for you, though. You it was a good switch. Uh, it makes me much more, um, you know, healthier because of, I'm happier. And that uh, You always look like you're having a good time when you're up there. Even <laughs> and, and it seems like you have a lot of different people. It seems like your drummer um, – is that's your guy, right? The guy that plays drums. He seems like he's in a lot. But I'll notice that you'll have a, a, a different uh, guy playing the trombone on this gig, and he'll be a different guy. Do you do you do that? Do you bring in different guys to play and that kind of thing? Or Yes. Um, I In town, I played. I, I used, like, as a drummer, I used Dylan mostly. But also, I used Patrick Duke and Newt Chastain. Um, they are more broken into the Brazilian music and they know my songs that I play and they kind of handle the gig very well. Um, as, as far as horns, I've been using a bunch of different musicians. Mostly now I use Matthew Howitt on saxophone. Also, there is a, a, a friend of mine that used to live here and come back all the time, Joshua Smith, which is one amazing saxophone player as well. And as far as... Um, saxophone. I also use David Cusper, and I'm open to you know um, to uh, share the stage with other musicians as well. And the bass player that plays with me the most is Gary April. He's a New Yorker jazz musician, and also Kip Reed. Um, but f as far as Brazilian music, they are pretty much the, the only two that really makes sense to play with. Because when you try to do with um, jazz musicians, you know, everybody has an accent. But some of them has more accents than other, even on the instruments, not only when you talk. And sometimes those accents um, kind of wash, Clash. wash out oh. the originality of the rhythm. And we try to keep it as close as possible 
to the original feel of the beat, the grooving is so important. If the bass player and the drummer are not grooving, I have I have trouble. I have to tell them to go take a break. <laughs> <laughs> and I have done that before. Don't take me wrong. It's not because they're not good instrumentists, but because what they're doing at this moment is not exactly what I was looking for. Wow. Uh, and I, I don't have a problem asking them to take a break. Wow, that's that's interesting. Very interesting. So... Basically, so then you have a core of guys that you that you normally play with, and then you'll interchange some of the other parts and stuff. Because I, I'm watching this stuff, and it's, it's there's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. Like your bass player, he's playing a lot of notes. Yeah. Oh. He's not. There, there's not. He's not. He's playing notes like the <laughs> whole time. I'm like, yeah. and he and another thing that I always love uh, when I'm watching you guys and the other musicians like you guys that can do this, the effortlessness. That you guys all appear to be playing under effortlessness. Like when you're playing, I'm watching the chords you're playing, and I'm like, man, those are some interesting chords he's playing there. He's all over, and you're singing and you're laughing, and it's like the guitar is just kind of there too. And it's when I see that kind of thing, man, that that just I, I just it makes me want to be there and hang out. You guys look like you're having so much fun, and honestly, you like to laugh a lot when you're up there playing. You're having fun. It is you a lot know, of fun, yeah. Like that's it's it it's a it's a good time. It's a good time. And and it's in when you hear the word jazz, I think you can be misled sometimes because there's so many different forms of a, what they call jazz. Mm-hmm. When I when I thought of jazz, you know, you think of a lot of the more modern jazzes and stuff that are out there. It's a, it's a different kind of music. It has a different feel to it. it. It's a it's a very it's there's a lot of notes being played in this music. It's yeah. so full. Yes, um, you know, Jazz is a lot of monotonic, like one note at a time. And when you say Brazilian jazz, there is a lot of notes at the same time forming chords and harmonies. And the tempo fits the the American jazz and the chords also invites them. So it's a good way to blend music when they don't clash with each other. So bringing the bossa nova in the jazz to, and musicians together makes it wonderful music. It's very, very accommodating for each other. Yeah, and and there's a lot, and there's a lot of places for this. I mean, like you've you've played you've played some very amazing places, also too. I've noticed. Uh, I read you played uh, Playhouse Square, Severance Hall, mm-hmm. like like so. So when you thought. When you first started getting into this, did you think that you'd ever get to that point? I mean, like, did you think, like, as you said, you you put your mind to it. When I hear that you started in 1999, you're where you are. You had to put a lot of effort into this. I did. Yeah, this was something you took very seriously from the start. Nobody gets where you're at now by by just playing the guitar and think you have to take it very seriously. So when you see yourself now, and you know, like, I turn on, I turn on when you first when you first and I talked about coming on the show, and I first turn you on, I started watching you, and I'm like, you know, when a lot of these bands come on, I, I, I turn them on and watch them, they're in a bar, right? Like, I see you, and it looks like a PBS special, and you've got a whole orchestra behind you, like a band, and I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, you could be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but did you, I mean, like, is, isn't this really, like, haven't you come, brought this thing maybe farther than you even yourself thought you could? Uh, when I started... I started because I thought I could hit the top. I'm not. I'm far from that yet, but um, I was comfortable with the idea of playing in big theaters and everything because 
I saw that I could do it. I saw what was happening here. I visited a lot of the music scene. I visited the theaters. And I felt pretty comfortable. I think I can show what I have to show here, 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 and there, and everywhere else. And because I felt that comfortable, I worked for that level of music. I went straight to the point. This is what I want to do. So this song, for example, that you sent to you called Pipoca no Arribó, it has 12 horns on the record, on the recording, and it's a one fast <laughs> arrangement that I did um, with uh, Marcelo Leone from the uh, Yvette Sangalo's band. He, he was one amazing musician. And I told him, I want to do this song on the, um, you know, it's, there's a, 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 a frevo style in Brazil called Spock frevo, which the horns go like really crazy. It takes over the whole instrumentation. And this is what I was meaning when I wrote this song. And I'm actually, I brought the charts over to uh, present it to some other friends, like from other orchestra, like Paul Ferguson from the Cleveland Jazz Orchestra is going to get it. And other, other friends that run orchestras to see what we can do as far as orchestra training the orchestra to do a presentation in a nice big hall, special night or something. So how do you arrange this? something like that? <laughs> I mean, like seriously, you're saying, you know, I just get some guys from the Cleveland Orchestra. How do how do you how do you arrange that to happen? Oh, I have to call them and see if they were up to the job. So do you just do you hire them? Is that what you have to do, or are these friends oh, of no, yours, no, or no, what? No, how does no, that hire work? Them. I, that would be something I would have to call him and see if he'd like to work on Amazing. on a show that he could host me or something that worked for everybody, right? Oh, I would, I'm not going to hire a thirty thousand dollars orchestra, and they would have to. Yes. Host, <laughs> they had to have to host me, but I do bring material for that, and that could be either Cleveland Jazz or other ones, um, and I have. I like this song, Volta para Salvador, also has a bunch of charts for horns and other songs too. So I do have now material for orchestra. So now that I'm back in town, it's time to get working on setting up something like that. So basically, when you write these songs, you're writing out the music and everything, the written form and everything, so that you can hand this over to. So do you write the horn sections out for them and then say, here, here's. No, I don't write a single note on the staff. Nothing. No, I, I kind of mumble it to the, <laughs> to the horn guy and he. Double checks and writes it down. <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah. Okay, okay. So uh, you have to. The, mum, the mumble technique works for a lot of people. That's yeah, what you do. You sing it. You just kind of hum it, sing it, yes, whatever. Like you're going to do. Pa -pa -da -pa -da -pa -da -pa -pa. <laughs> and then he just wrote it down and, all right, what else? <laughs> Next. That's something. Yeah. Wow. So I, I, this is because I never took music classes. So I, I never took guitar classes. I, I learned everything on my own, especially because when I moved here in 1999 and decided to start playing guitar, I knew that I <clears throat> could develop that ability based on what I already had inside of me to externalize and based on what I have been doing on guitar, which was not too much time that I was applying, but I knew I could improve it. I knew what I could improve it. And I knew that I could actually build music, build music, build music, and, and be successful with that. It was just a matter of practicing, putting material together, and finding the right places to, to play, and talk, you know, do the office work as well with the bookings. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Are you? Are you? Do you do everything? I, I do the bookings too. 
Really? So you're yeah. you have so you got a lot going on. Yes, yeah. So like when I did this tour in Europe, I did the whole month of December. Um, at first I I start emailing places like I was picking the cities and looking at the jazz clubs around it, emailing everybody and see what I could get. I mean, booking as far as bookings and then book another city, email a bunch of jazz clubs on that area to see which one I would do. And um, maybe do a, an hour away city from that or so. Um, it, it's then, you know, it's a few months process until you get back from everybody. With some of the jazz clubs, people are so busy, they just take a month to, reply, to respond. But doing the booking is something that you have to plan like six months to a year ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how often do you play out? I mean, how often do you think you're gigging right now? How often are you trying to get yourself out there? Well, um, in Cleveland, it's much easier for me to get gigs because, um, you know, I get phone calls and um, emails from people that already knows me from here. Um, like right now, I have... One gig on the 20th in Pittsburgh, opening for Brazilian guitarist Diego Figueiredo, which is... Is it not, isn't, he's the one that's a Grammy-nominated... Yes, yes, he's a Grammy-nominated. For like, the, for like one of the best guitarists in the world type thing he's recognized as, right, this guy? Yes. I was reading about him, I just, uh, yeah. He's, uh, he also, the nomination is for the whole arrangement, because he, as a guitar player, wrote the harmonies for violins on his computer and tuned it in. And the violinists came and played, and that's the degree. <laughs> really? Yeah, and then he played the guitar as well with the harmony. So he's one amazing musician. Yeah, I, very interesting. I was reading about him. I was very, because you're, you're, you're playing with this guy. Pretty unbelievable, huh? It's, he's incredible. Now, I, do you ever get to, like, play with these guys, like, up there? Would that, yes. Could that possibly happen, too? Yes, yes. We also usually play a song at the end together. Oh, excellent. Um, when we do these shows. So, you know, I open... For you know, twenty or thirty minutes, he plays his an hour and a half, and at the end he calls me for one or two songs, and that's super fun. But we play a lot together because I usually travel with him. Like he was in Europe, and we met over there as well. Um, we we like going to visit visiting the guitar stores and jamming, and everybody's like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> No, that is fun, right? When you're, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They so don't expect that. They're like, whoa, <laughs> and we have a lot of fun doing that. We just, we just let's go to that store today, <laughs> and because then it gives us an opportunity to not only practice our muscles on, for the instrument, yeah. but to mingle musically. You know, because when we go to the gigs, we have to do this, and he has to do that, and this is something that's already set. Um, but when we enter a music store, it's there's no rules. We can play anything, and then we make music like that. We have three songs to publish now together. Oh, that's great! Yeah. Um, so the the style you play is it is it what you listen to also, or do you have other stuff that you listen to? Like what what would you listen to on a normal day? What would you listen to on the ride over? Are you listening to the bossa nova type stuff? I do listen to bossa novas and sambas, and I, I listen to jazz and bluegrass. This is all part of you know you can uh, bebop has a lot of bossa nova, jazz has a lot of bossa nova, and bossa nova was created on top of those styles as well. Uh -huh. So. Uh, I, I listen to everything. I'm very open, unless it's really boring. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, also, that does not limit what I create. I do write bossa nova songs, but 
uh, on this new album that I called Baiano, which means somebody that's born on the Bahia estate. I have a bunch of the rhythms from Bahia, which is forro, samba, frevo, axé, which has a lot of African influence. And th th this is very, um, let's say, comfortable for them to hear and the whole country of Brazil. And the, and the songs are coming out really nice. Good. Yeah, so I'm not limited to any styles. Matter of fact, that one song called Lazy, um, nobody could say what style it is because it's a style that does not exist. So <laughs> it's a new style. Called so so many different, like you put a lot of different things together to yeah, make it? Yes, this one, this this song Lazy, when I was writing, I, was, didn't, I didn't pick a rhythm. I just went with the first idea and the beat came out, um, it, you know, Nobody knows what beat is that, so I named it the beat Lazy. That's the beat. It's a lazy beat. Lazy beat, yeah. <laughs> and once I wanted to go over some of the songs that uh, you've already released because I think some people would be interested to know um, what they mean to you and how. You know, maybe just look some some of the backstory. Mm -hmm. be, I'll be happy to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the actually the first song that I actually heard by you was uh, Cora Carolina, and uh, is it what? It, you're gonna definitely have to help me with some of the names of all yes, these because the, the, I will butcher them to death. Yeah, the t the title for this song is called Cora Coralina Coração. Okay, and um, I wrote this song out of a joke, actually, not really a joke, but Cora Coralina is one of the most famous writers in Brazil. She's a poet and she writes books as well. My dad loves her, and because you know. When you say Cora, everybody remembers Coralina because of the famous name of this writer. And my friend Cora was with me at uh, one time when my dad called and said, oh, that, this is my friend Cora. And he was like, oh, Cora, Coralina. And she said, no, no, Cora, Coração. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Cora, Coralina. No, no, Cora, Coração. And then they... Became a funny conversation, and then just made a verse. Cora Coralina, Corazon. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, once you couldn't get it out of your head, right? Yes. Like so, and then I developed the lyrics on top of that, and the song also brings a rhythm of forró, which is a, close to salsa, and also it brings a change on rhythm from forró to samba on the same compass. And then I changed the orchestration from accordion and. Uh, Zabumba, which is a percussion instrument in the triangle, it's which it, the basics for forró. When it becomes samba, I have a cavaquinho, which is a steel strings ukulele in a different tuning, and pandeiro, which is a tambourine with uh, you know, and atabaque. I mean, there is a di whole different instrumentation when it, they change the rhythm, and then it goes a couple of times like that, and then it changes to a third rhythms. It's called maracatu. It's a mix actually of maracatu and short two other rhythms from Brazil that's much more aggressive. And that's when I do a rap. Oh. Um, so this song brings in three rhythms. They're all really fun with three different orchestrations. And it talks about a mix of the name of the writer with the name of my friend and how playful that conversation went. went. Oh. And it's a more or less... Uh, saying the girl from Ipanema in different words, I got different you. poetry building. Neat. So that That's cool. It's a good story. Um, then I see one Estrella. Estrella. Wow, that's one fun. It's a bossa nova tune. Um, Estrella. 
um, I was writing this song. I mean, one day I was driving back from a concert in Pittsburgh, and that song just came down on my head. And I picked up the phone, recorded, and started recording it. In right your back. mouth, with your mouth, did you just sing it into yeah, your, into your just phone? Da, 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 I love da. that. And so I couldn't forget because I got that download melody from the cosmos while I was <laughs> hypnotized by the highway. And <laughs> so is that what happens mostly? Is that how it happens, man? I mean, does things just pop into your head and yeah, you pull when, the phone out and you're like, I got to remember this. Yeah, when you when it pops, you have to record it. Otherwise, it will go away. And most of the songs that I have written is like that. Um, and I start recording that thing and developing right there. I was really open at that time and alone, which is important. So you have, you know, solitude to play around with the melody and rhythms. Anyways, um, when I got home, I wrote uh, I wrote the lyrics, or like a poem for that melody that I got while I was driving. And I was pretty excited about, oh my God, I can't believe I just came up with this song. And then I jumped to the guitar, okay, let me figure it out. And then I started playing some harmonies and everything. But I hit a wall. <clears throat> I hit a wall with the harmonies and chords change because there was no easy progression. And I was like, I, I can't believe I, I can't get through this. I have to find a way out. I have to find a way out. And then, okay, I got tired, went to bed and slept. And guess what? I had a dream. And I in the dream, I was playing the song and singing the song. And I now had lyrics. Of, the lyrics was fitting well. And the chords were running so smooth. And then I hit that spot where the chord and I couldn't figure it out in the dream and I look at my hands in the dream and I saw what I was playing and I got so excited oh yeah I fixed it and then I woke up <gasps> I went to the guitar and double checked and it was right <laughs> really? that's crazy You're, so, you, you actually figured the dream the chord out in your dream in my dream <laughs> I, fig I figured that one in my dream so I started writing that song driving and then finished when I was home, tired. I like to write when I'm tired. And then I finished it when I was dreaming. It was, And that's the one song that talks about love, fraternity, beauty, and flowers, and spirituality. And this guy from the uh, First Unitarian Church of Cleveland, he asked me, Moises, are we going to have a a pastor ordaining ceremony. I wonder if you can come and play with your band and if you allow us to play with our choir, one of your songs. And I said, oh, can we do an original? And he said, yeah. Then he came over and started playing the piano over these chords that I figured out in the dream. <laughs> wow. And then he wrote the choir session on it, went back, rehearsed with them. And, you know, um, we had one rehearsal. When I heard it, I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Can we record it? It's like, yes, let's record in that Estrella. Wow. Yeah. And Chuchito Valdez from the Buena Vista Social Club of Heritage, he was in town. He was staying at my house, and I was there practicing the song. It's like, oh, Moises, that sounds pretty. It's like, Chuchito, would you mind uh, recording this with me? So he sat on the piano, and we were in the living room, and he's like, yeah, yeah, well, let's go to the studio. Let's go now. I called the studio, and Ben, we recorded it. Like, in one hour, it was ready. <laughs> that's excellent I, I, I tell you what the, the, writing this music is really interesting because of the uh, there's so many layers to it too right you have so many different layers of yeah. things going on a lot of different leads not there's not just one lead or two leads you could 
it goes here, there, 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 there. And all that's got to be accounted for in, in the counts and everything. You know, you got to have a place for all that stuff. And, and that's another thing when writing this music, uh, especially just jazz in general, um, all that really has to be taken into to account ahead of time, right? Like, it's all planned out and everything. Like, you know, the tenor sax is going to have his spot right here, and we're going to create this rhythm for that spot. So when he comes in, he'll or, – or do you have – like, when you're writing a song, all right, I'm watching, like, the sax player. So do you always have the sax part in your head for him? Or is there ever a time where you just tell him, <laughs> look, I really don't have a part for this, but here's what I'm doing – is there anything that you might um, hear here? Yeah, so most of the songs, I mean, part of them, will have an instrumental session. So it could be with the drumming, it could be with the vocals, instrumental. I mean, like as far as a choir, for example, as vocals, the Volta Pra Salvador has a long drumming session and then the horns, and then I have a space. I, when I record it, I already leave the room for all of that. When I get to the studio, I know what the frame of the music is. Of course, we can change that later, but I go with the intention to expose the saxophone on this time, or I, it will all will have. Of course, uh, some songs like "Lazy," for example. When Ken came to the studio, I thought, "Well, Ken, we have this room here, but you know, you can record a couple of times through this track, and feel free to do whatever you want." Like improvisation type yeah, thing. Yeah, and then he made he did an amazing work that um, was very similar to the work in a Brazilian style called Chorinho, which is very eloquent because he's so good. It became, uh, you know, the end of the song with that clarinet. He asked me, the only thing he asked me was, Moises, how do you want it? I told him, hey, Make make me feel butterflies are flying a garden with flowers and it's it's spring and it, we are happy. That's all I want to hear. And then he'll I gotcha. And then when he started playing, and I did submit that song, Lazy, which also brings Nabiki Okaro on the rap, which is really good. Uh, I submitted to a nationwide contest, and we scored the fourth place nationwide. Really? Yeah. And um, when I when I came back from Mexico um, <clears throat> last month, I came because I got a phone call from the people that was doing the sports song contest for the All Star Games, and they said, "Hey Moses, I I think I need you to come uh, to play live for us because you got, you got selected for the finals." <laughs> I was like, "Oh wow, okay Mexico, bye bye, I gotta go." <laughs> really. So I flew over here, and I did the uh, the live presentation of the songs. Uh, it was three songs, three participants, and then I got second place for that one. And that was nationwide, so uh, it was pretty good. Do you ever just get together with a bunch of musicians and just jam for like uh, for a, a, like a long period of time, and then uh, never? That's not that's not no, your thing as much. No, not really. Um, Sometimes I do that with, with Dylan, which plays drums with me, so we create new things. Or I go with another guy to create new things, but not that I got you know jam session or anything. That's not that's not. No, I, I go for, for to produce. When we get together, we let's do this and we produce. Get out there with something uh, original or that we create. Um, when I was in Mexico, I was working with some guys there, and uh, when we got together, 
we get together to create, not to play songs that is already out there, whatever. This is already done. Let's get something else done here. And um, try to get something new created out of our interaction. And gym session alone, unless I just want to hang out with my friends and have a drink about it, doesn't happen very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much work going on to... Yeah, well, no, it, it, that's not. It's not for everybody. The jam thing. It's the, it's some, especially when you're serious about writing. It takes time away from from getting down and writing stuff if you're going to be doing that. It's very so. brainy. Yeah, me monaquita. Yes, me muñequita, which means my little doll in Spanish. Um, Cleveland Public Theater was presenting this play. Uh, the play name was La Muñequita. Ah. Uh, the little doll and um and the one of the director of the play uh, rivera rivera is his last name <laughs> at least i remember yeah, that. Well, yeah. alejandro rivera he said um he needed a, a song for the play because he they didn't want to deal with all the royalties from songs that are already being played on the market and everything <clears throat> and he told me the story of the of the play on the phone and said, Moises, I need a song because it's going to go on the radio to, you know, for the radio calls, for the play and everything. And I wonder if you can just record something with your guitar. And it's like, of course, uh, come over. And he, he actually popped up in 10 minutes <laughs> with a, a recorder <laughs> on his hand in, in my house. <laughs> and then I, I, just, I just started writing the song in Spanish. And then I wrote two, three, four verses. And just as he asked, uh, um, and that was based on the story of the play, which is a tragic comedy. It's a tragedy. Um, it's funny, but at the end of the play, everybody's dead <laughs> because <laughs> of the love for that little doll that makes everybody fall in love with her on their dreams. And but you gotta kill that guy, you know. You know? <laughs> So they end up killing everybody, and, and the doll ends up by herself. Anyways, um, I, but I made a love song, and it's it's a sad song. I mean, it's probably my only sad recording oh. <laughs> because of all the time I'm so like playing a bunch of. Up well, yeah, the other song you're talking, you want butterflies, and you want you want to be yeah. like, oh, yes. and, and and that song because Chuchito was in town, he re he recorded the piano. And because it was a song that I was written originally in Spanish, I prefer to get somebody that is native from uh, the country. And that's, so I have my friend Patricia Bussert, which is one amazing singer. And he, she can pop that voice out. And she loved the idea to record it with such a piano player. And we went to the studio real quick and recorded it, and it just came out beautiful. Oh. Yeah, I, I, that's amazing that you get to play with some of these people too. That's another thing. I mean, like, like, how do you? How, what? When did you start meeting all these people? How do you network yourself to to get out there and and really become? I mean, in the area you are, kind of the bossa nova king in this area. I mean, you kind of <laughs> are. Well, your name is pretty synonymous with this music. I mean, when it comes to this music in this area, I think everybody knows who you are. Thank you. So. How do you how do you network yourself into this position? And there's a lot of people out there who play all the time who don't have the position that you're in to where you're meeting all the right people. You're doing all that. I mean, how did you get into all that? How did that happen? Um, 
You know, I used to live here on um, Gordon Square up to the end of last year, and I had a bunch of bedrooms in the house, which I was very connected with the jazz community, especially with Jim Wadsworth from Nighttown. And he was always asking, can you host this musician for me? Can you host this music? These guys coming in town. Can you help me out? Da, 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 da. So, so I, was ha- I was putting them up on my house. And because we were there and mingling on breakfast. So it's not like I'm doing a radio interview with them. But of course, I'm going to talk to them and learn and exchange experiences. And this is when the musicians talk knowing they're not being listened just by me. And they can actually be truth to their heart, can speak bad words, whatever they want to say. There's no, so that's on the truth, relaxed side. And then we sit on the drums, on the piano, on the guitar, and pull plug the things up and exchange experiences. And this is how it happens, you know, in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah, all in the kitchen. Um, You know, I visit the, the shows of other musicians too that I find that they have something interesting that we could collaborate with. And musicians play with me, and I got messages from them, hey, I'd like to collaborate too. So I love collaborations. And I think when you collaborate with someone else, you bring two worlds together. And your experiences are so different. Uh, my one uh, music partner, Kenny Davis, the trumpeter, he's also a Grammy Award winner, he taught at Oberlin for 25 years. He's, he always say that when you play, everybody can feel your emotions. All your mood goes out with you. All your stories goes out. Your history, whatever you're made out of, comes out on the music. And for that, everyone is different. So as much as you collaborate, we thought, you know, you have to be flexible without losing the originality. That is very helpful to build up good music. And then do you find that you're learning from these people as well as you're moving along? Oh, yes, like yes. you're picking up stuff from each person? All of them, all of them. I learn with all of them. That's why I like doing it. You know, when we exchange those experiences, you you know, their brain has something else inside from their life stories, their studies, and their practices, and their instruments, which is totally different from what I do. So when we can blend these things together, we will find a, a place where we encounter a, a, a zone that we can work together. And their influences makes you richer, and my influence makes them richer. It's a symbiotic relationship, you know, where one plus one is three. Because, you know. Yes. So is there, is there ever been, a, like, is there a person specifically where you've ever collaborated with and you just were like, wow, this is, this is like different. Like this is, I'm really gelling with this person in a, in a way that I'm not used to. With Does that ever happen? Is there anybody that sticks out where you can't wait to jam with that person again type thing? <laughs> that happens uh, with most, 99% of the people that I collaborate with. I'd say that one of the guys that I'm more, most proud of spending time musically and jamming or playing or whatever is this guitar player from Brazil, Diego Figueiredo which I'm opening for him on March 20th in Pittsburgh at 6 p.m. at the James James Simon Sculpture Studio. And that's going to be a quick show because, I mean, it's it's a last-minute show because he's coming out to play at the Lakeland Jazz Festival on the 19th of March. 
And because he was going to be here, I said, hey, let's see if we can get something else. He said, yeah, call Simon. And I called Simon. He's like, yes, let's do it. So he put together an event real quick. And he has only 65 seats, but they will sit in front of the best. And it's good enough. It's a jazz club, jazz club size. And we're going to have just one amazing night there. Yeah. There's a bunch of people like that loves Brazilian music, loves jazz, loves classical. And that guy was just, uh, he, I thought he invented the guitar when I saw him playing the first time. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. You I know, you know uh, George Benson flies to Brazil, sits in his living room to take classes. That, take it from there. George Benson has a lot of pictures on his living room and he's showing him styles and things like that. He's, you know, Larry Coriel played with him and he plays with a bunch of, you know, a lot of um, Brazilian famous musicians too. The most famous one sits in. He, he actually puts a show and say, Diego Figueiredo invites, and then he says, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, da, 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 like in Brazil, you know, with the Brazilian names. And yeah, 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 yeah. Those yeah. guys, those people, the, the same, the same. Michael Jackson hero, that yeah, person in yeah. Brazil, he, he can command any of them if he wants. Same type of people there. He's, a, he's at a different type of a level. He's, he's, in, the, he's in the clouds. <laughs> so, so and, when you, and when you collaborate, like you said, you, sometimes you'll collaborate with rappers. That's right. So how do, how do you, that, that can't be something that has a, a past. Like you can't go back and, well, I'm going to do it like this. This is something that, did you not create something here in a way by, by taking these musics and kind of doing it like that? Or do you feel you like. Know, um, you can basically fit a rap in any song as long as you can hold the beat and leave room for the rap. Um, but I think um, because it's such a popular style now, and my style is actually so, I'd say, uh, standard from the 60s, uh, it's one way to make it modern. <laughs> it's to collaborate with different styles. I do I do like to do that, to um, play a bossa nova in a different rhythm. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking of recording an album now called Bossa Tronic. So I can put electronic music rap into bossa nova and still hold the traditional style and when i play live i play a song in bossa nova and then sometimes for example with kenny davis playing the trumpet oh my god that guy's amazing or jacob win i start actually i double the beat and we go into a funky beat throughout the soloing drummer goes crazy and da, 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 we put a lot of pressure and tension in it and then pew, we release it back to bossa nova and uh, people go like, oh. That's great. <laughs> so The build-up. I, I had this song that I that I put together called Lazy. And my friend Nabike heard. It's like, hey, I can make a rap for that song right now. I said, okay, do it. He, piece of, he picked up a piece of paper. And I'm chilling like I'm Nero. You can find me in Rio. My best friend is my pillow when the temperature is zero. <laughs> Since I got no bed and I'm laying on the floor, I'm not going to answer that loud knock on my door and uh, he started writing that rap and uh, uh, when I looked at him, oh my god let's go to the studio now <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a big voice he's actually a big tall guy and that was a great idea that was a great idea um, and then right now for this um, I, I did this song for the contest of the All Star Games called Go Brazil it's a song about soccer. And I did a little rap on that in English. But Nabeke said, hey, 
you know what? I can do a rap too, so I can do a rap exchange on the song. And this was today or yesterday. It's like before you publish it, we can have more raps on it. So I'm going to reinvent the song a little bit. He just sent me the link with the rap. It's on my phone right now. <laughs> what about you? Are you ever going to be able to, is it going to be a Moises rap ever where he's going to, where you're going to bust out and it's you rapping? Uh, probably not. I will hang out with the Brazilian jazz style, and I can always. You have such a nice voice. I, I was. Th- I'm, I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of not being serious when I say that because you have such a nice voice. You have such a soft, nice singing voice. I don't. I don't know that. Well, rapping. Do you want? I mean, is that, I, I, can you I, rap? Is that you're gonna tell me? You're, I, you, I, you did, can, I did a little bit. It's not what I'm built for, but I, I can bring it up. The if rap. I, yeah. The rap thing. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Uh, yes, and that's why I, I insert that rap on the song to to meet the requirements for the lyrics to be, you know, submitted for the contest. Oh. And that came out as a great uh, addition to the song, and it, it, the song grew with that. It's a funky song. It's not bossa nova or samba. It's very funky. You hear it's called Go Brazil. Oh. Go Brazil is is that that's the one, okay. Yeah, and there's a video that I record real quick, last minute because they want us to submit a video, so that's the video for the song Go Brazil. That's how that works. You have to submit a video. Yeah. Um, going through some of the songs and some of the backstories behind these songs, and um, we're coming up to uh, I'm gonna try Pedro Asanto. Pedro Asanto, yeah, asking to the saint. Um, that song, I wrote that in Brazil when I was there a couple of years ago. And I, I, the idea was, I was visiting a state called Minas Gerais, going back to Bahia State. And those states, they have different accents. So um, I started writing a bossa nova song with the accent from this state of someone that's going back to the other state and it says if one day I go back to Bahia I will go on that church up on the hill and I'll I'll pray a little prayer nice and happy asking the saint for my love to come back to me and then I will go back because Bahia it is my place I'm going on my yellow shirt I miss that carnival Shinshin Karuru Vatapados are Foods from Bahia. There is nothing like that. I'll take a bath on the good smelling leaves. Um, respect the local deities. Play soccer in the beach and have my love in my heart. Now, now, when you're saying this, you're saying this in English, but these songs are written in, in Portuguese. This is like a, a rough translation. But I'm just saying, though, all it's always in Portuguese, though, right? When you record, is yes. it always, it's always in Portuguese? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um. All right, so I, I, earlier you did notice, you, I noticed you said something about some of the things that you've done, um, swimming with sharks, stuff like that. Some, <laughs> of, the, some of the things you've done travel-wise yes. and, and some of the places you've been. I saw him with a shark about two weeks ago in Mexico. How many weeks ago? <laughs> two three, weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, matter of fact, I posted a video. I don't know if you got my YouTube channel, um, but... I subscribed. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there is a video. <laughs> there is a video there called "Viaje Comigo," which travel with me. That I'm thinking of starting a, I do some sort of creating content for the trips because I keep traveling so much, and I don't really share 
a video or a story about it. So I'm starting to put together that idea. And on that opportunity, I, I made that video out of one trip that we went out to see whale, to see whales. Oh. And there was a scuba diving and snorkeling uh, area. <clears throat> so I put my gear in and went down. And they said, uh, if you see a shark, don't be afraid because this area, it, it's for the whale sharks. <laughs> So I start diving. There were seals and sea, how to say, sea lions and a bunch of different fish, and another seal. And then everybody's like, "Here's a start." Everybody's like, "It's coming! It's coming that way! It's gonna pass by fast!" Because these these sharks they don't swim too slow, so you actually have to be beside it and swim as fast as you can on the same direction without touching it, so you don't, you know, just Turb the yeah. animal. That thing is not small. What I saw there was probably twelve hundred pound wow. shark, <laughs> and it's in the video. It's uh, it's it's on my YouTube channel. That's the only time you've ever done something like that. Or it's the second time. I, I, at that time, there was two sharks. So we were they they they, they eat planktons and other little crustaceans. They're not sad treat people, so they. He probably liked me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you don't know that. Everybody thinks that every shark is going to bite him eventually, uh, right? So, no, was you, were you afraid at all, though? I mean, were you? Were you? I mean, come on, a little uh, bit, like a little bit. When, you're, little, in, when you're in the water with a shark, <laughs> yeah, you gotta be a little nervous, right? There will be a little bit of a heartbeat difference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the humongous thing in front of me, like, <gasps> oh, oh. <laughs> Did you see any whales? I did see several whales, over a hundred. Oh, this was in Mexico. In Mexico, is this yeah. on the Pacific side of Mexico? On the Pacific side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's where they move. They're moving up to like Hawaii, and yes, they, and they the, travel through there, right? The waters are pretty deep over there. That's wild. Yes, and and, and they, you know, some of them come by the boat when there's kids on the boat. They kind of hang out a little bit. No kid. Yes, but they also they when they have those how to say, there's um, a parasites that they call uh, how to call this bugs that you get on your hair uh lice lice it's like whales lice it's a little parasite that looks like oh, a, oh, oh. A, a, looks like a oyster or something and they have to come out of the water and hit their tail and hit their arms to try to get the parasites out and they make a lot of splashing wow. huge amounts of water going everywhere sometimes they come up um, and jump completely out of the water and bam are these humpback whales is that what yes, they are yes wow those are huge they're huge and you know uh, they don't like when you are in the water with them especially when they have babies so it's not advisable advise, you know you know, I should not do that but when they will get closer to the coast on the reefs then you can see a lot of the fish and you know uh Everything's down there. It is a lot of everything down there. Yeah, but you're from Brazil too, and 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 that's there's some unbelievably beautiful places in Brazil that people in America could never. There's nothing here like uh, right, like right. Rio, like the Rio Grande and stuff like that. Where you're mm -hmm. talking, I mean, right, Rio de Janeiro. Like, what isn't that like an unbelievably beautiful place? Yeah. So with all the islands, it's and mountains and the forest the forests and some of the forests are pretty high uh, on top of the plateaus so they had a lot of humidity and all kind of different species of mammals and 
Like a rain, there's rainforests in there and stuff too, right? Yes, I mean, like yes. it's 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 amazing. Matter of fact, I did scuba dive for like for competition in Brazil for eleven years before I moved here. Yeah, there was a lot of fishing and swimming and diving there. So when you're like living in Brazil, is that is that something that people in Brazil do? Is that, is that like like here we have like the Grand Canyon in America, right? So people go to or they go to Vegas or. Do people go see the Rio Grande? Do you, do you travel there? Is that a place to go see this? Oh, yes. Brazil has a lot of nature sites and landscapes, and they're all different. You have from dry areas to very swampy or a lot of water areas, like on the Amazon forest, those rivers. Like the Amazon rivers, the river, it has spots that it's 200 kilometers wide. Wow. It's about 100. Uh, wow. What is that in miles? Uh, probably 140 miles wow. wide. And that's a, that's part of the river. And it's a deep river. Wow. It's, uh, it's so hard much, to imagine that, right? It's very hard to imagine. It's so much water. So, you, you know, when the river hits the sea, the ocean, you can boat for 50 miles towards the ocean and you still drink fresh water. Wow. When the ocean tide, there's one day in the year that the moon is in a special position that the ocean tide is much higher than the river tide and the river gets a wave of ocean through uh, probably 100 miles inland and it comes in like a tsunami breaking every tree and everything and that is the longest tidal wave in the world called Pororoca. And there's a lot of um, crazy surfing surfists that oh. that get dropped off on those waves by a helicopter and surf for 50 miles straight. What? <laughs> <laughs> I never it's heard of this. Crazy. It's called Pororoca. P O R O R O C A. Google it. Pororoca. So you so you're living in Brazil. Then you moved to Miami. You said that's right. Uh, when I moved to Miami, I was back from Europe. I was living in uh, Spain and Portugal for a minute. Came back to São Paulo in Rio, and then got a job offer as a photographer oh. for an opening newspaper, a big newspaper um, in Miami. It was called the Brazilian. Uh, I forgot the name of the paper. It was <laughs> 1999. The Brazilian Poster by journalist Carlos Magnavita, uh, Claudio Magnavita, which is the president of the tourism newspaper of Rio de Janeiro right now. And he offered me that opportunity because I used to edit his TV shows on the Bandeirantes TV in Salvador. Um, I'm a video producer. <laughs> I've done everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to see that. Uh, I produced the video for a long time, and I, was, I had a, a video productions company, and he liked the way I edited the videos and everything. So he asked me, to ask me to edit his TV show. So because I, I edited the his TV show for a while, and then he moved to Rio, and I moved to Europe. So by the time I came back, he was opening a newspaper in Miami. That's when I moved to Miami, and everything goes from there. Yeah. Yeah, and so my I guess my question really comes down to: so what the hell was your first impression of Cleveland when you finally get to Cleveland from <laughs> Miami? Spain, Portugal, <laughs> and Brazil, and then you show up here. It's got to be kind of a culture shock of difference. There's a difference, a little different. Yeah, it was different, and I felt very welcome in Cleveland. And, you know, 
before I came to Cleveland, I had a dream that I was in a boat flying on the sky and I was boating throughout the whole world on the clouds. And I boat to throughout Europe and I saw what was going on. Because I was having that feeling that I should find a better place to live, that the government would respect the people and didn't steal all the money. That's why I left Brazil, because of the government. Corruption. It's a mess, yeah. So, and when I boated on the Northeast Ohio area, I saw a green valley. And that was much before I moved here. <laughs> and that was funny because when I came from Brazil um, to Miami and my wife said, oh, I, I'm from Cleveland. Um, and I looked at the map, oh, that's pretty much what I saw from the boat. And then I ended up moving here and I felt very welcome. I, felt, I love Cleveland. I think Cleveland is like one small big city. It has all the structures. Or, you know, we have the second best theater district in the in the country. We have the best, second what, second better uh, art museum, and, and it's free. And we have the second best orchestra of the world. And you know, the Rockefellers are here. All the universities and hospitals, and yeah, you have a lot more, of You have a lot of uh, diversity on the restaurants. You have all kind of music. You have the rock hall, and you have no traffic jam bunch of foundations and nonprofits working you know, towards the arts. I mean, this city is going very well. Yeah, and somehow it seems like you've figured out how to get involved in every single one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like you're every, you're involved in all this stuff, uh, right? They, they're all do, doing well, and people respect each other more than in Miami, in, which also is more than in Brazil. So I'm very happy leaving. You think the people here are better, like, just as far as, like, they're nicer, people get along a little yeah, better? and they, yeah, they're more respectful. There's a, there is a real diverse culture here, huh? Yeah. Like, it's like, a, like there's a, all kinds of things. Yes, um, very diverse culture here. And, and because of this diversity, I start seeing on the Cleveland's youth a little bit of lack of exposure of uh, other cultures and countries. So I came up with the idea of a cultural project called the Afro-Brazilian Cultural Appreciation Initiative, which I started putting together already a few, I've already had a few meetings with a advisory board, and I'm going to start a non-profit to start in Cleveland a Afro-Brazilian Cultural Center and Museum, and that's going to be hosting artists from Africa and Brazil, and we're going to be presenting shows and plays and classes and Portuguese classes, capoeira classes, culinary classes, Afro-Brazilian religions, and there's so much to talk about. Percussion, you know, we right now we need a space to do our drumline percussion practices, which is something loud, but it's so powerful and full and energetic. So this is a bunch of things that we can exchange as far as culture. Yeah, you do you find, do you find that there's just like a, a whole plethora of people that, you know, what you've got yourself involved with in the music thing. Is there just a ton of people that you can, you know, like you, could you love to collaborate? So being here, does that help you find more people to collaborate with? Is this, is this a, a good hub to be at oh, yes, for yes. that kind of thing? Is that what you feel like Cleveland has offers you an opportunity maybe that, that you couldn't have gotten maybe it, it in does. Miami? It does. It does. In Miami and in Brazil, there is a lot of uh, other amazing Brazilian musicians and singers and by being here, I'm not like one more in the crowd. I got you. And it gives me the opportunity to to stand out somewhat, right? To yeah. Share. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. What I bring from my experiences with the indigenous tribe, with the Brazilian music, with the music from Bahia, 
you know, Salvador is the capital of Bahia, was the port of entrance of four million slaves, and they all brought their cultures. They are from different kingdoms, from different areas of Africa. They spoke different languages. They had different ways to cook, to pray, to fight, to dance, to play music. And these groups of people, um, they were put to work together and they were selected to put to, to work together by speaking different languages so they couldn't make a coup. They couldn't communicate. But, you know, they uh, anyways found ways to exchange their cultures and improve, for example, um, there's guys working on sugarcane plantations. And they start exchanging experience of their fighting styles from different places from Africa and came up with one style called capoeira, which is pretty much what you have most prominent as far as Brazilian culture outside of Brazil. Everyone knows what capoeira is. Everyone knows what bossa nova is, which is, um, it, it brings all that uh, rhythm syncopation from Africa. A syncopation is one thing and that comes within the African diaspora. Syncopation and improvisation. Jazz exists because of the improvisation styles of the Africans that starts copying and developing it. And then we have jazz uh, because it's, of course, it used other music styles as influence too, but the improvisation comes from Africa first. <coughs> So being able to share all these details and, and experience with the local community, I think it enriches both, both of us. And um, we, we have the opportunity to listen to other artists' influences as well and, and, and make sure they understand where uh, our styles or why we're doing this, uh, where it comes from historically. And everything's cataloged. Where else if you... Uh like if you're in Mexico, do you ever play in Mexico? I mean, do you get to play there? Oh, yeah. I did go to Mexico after I have four or five gigs booked there. Oh, and that I was not there on vacation. <laughs> I see. I was I there, see. there on that for the So band. that's usually what. So when you so when you go on these when you book these gigs in other in other countries, you you make the most of it. You go ahead. You go go do some. Yes, I book the gigs first and then I go. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. Because um, right now, when I came back from the European to um, I, I spent about a month, a month, the month of January in Cleveland. I was like, oh, God, we need to get a little bit of a beach. <laughs> so I called my friends in Mexico, and I booked some shows there and took a flight and went to the sunshine. And, and you know, but when I do these trips, I also like going visiting places and doing things that I like, like skydiving. Paragliding, or <laughs> you sky, you, you jumped out of a plane. I did. So you've done all. You're 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 just a, a, a adventurous dude. Like 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 the the whole your whole story is this really right? I mean, like you leave Brazil, go to Miami, go from Miami, you come to Cleveland, mm -hmm. and now you're then you come to Cleveland, and in the middle of your life, you decide to pick up a guitar and become this guy. I mean, there's, it's a great story, and now you're out there jumping out of planes and sh swimming with the fucking sharks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome i mean that's really i mean when you think about it it's Man. like you just keep it's an amazing yeah. story that was the first time also i i rode on the back of a dolphin 
Uh, you went, rode a dolphin? I rode a dolphin. We went, we went down the water and swam underneath, underneath. And then he came up really fast and jumped up in the air. That's when I released it, when I splashed down the water. I have a video of that, too. Oh, you got to send me that video for sure, man. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was pretty fun. Uh, th these trips that, you know, we find gigs and play and connect with people. Do I did a bunch of the shows for the cultural uh, organizations from Mexico, and they call that Ayuntamento, which is their city hall. And they have their cultural uh, departments because all the shows are in a public square, there's not a lot of problem with the COVID because people can spread out. Oh. And they do a lot of um, uh, cultural shows, mostly cultural shows. So that's great because that gives us that come to visit an opportunity to share with them as well a little bit of our music, a little bit of our culture and talk a little bit about the songs. It's very pleasant. They're very, very, very heartful people. That's awesome. Um, run, we're going to run out of time here pretty soon. I wanted to get into this one thing. I wanted to mention this so you mentioned to me a little bit ago that you're you 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 if we want to talk about ufos you you like i will i can talk to you guys about some stuff <laughs> right you know some stuff don't you have you ever been you, are you going to tell me now that you flew in a ufo too i mean after everything else if you tell me that i'm going to believe you i'm going to be like <laughs> no but what for for ser seriously though what we're, we're we are planning on a future episode here where we're going to definitely bring some of our guys back because we've we found out that a lot of the musicians that we've interviewed have other things they do on the side and other things they're interested in on the side that has nothing to do with music that's equally as interesting. So I think what we will have you back maybe within a night, like maybe with, you know, this year mm -hmm. before the year's over and uh, have a dis full on discussion with some other guys about some interesting stuff yeah. like UFOs and stuff. I, I can tell you things you wouldn't believe. Oh, no, I will believe them. Especially coming from you now. You swam with the dolphin, dude. That was awesome. Just my visual of that. I was like, oh, my God. I got to hang out with this guy. <laughs> I, I have I have been exposed to some of these UFO things for a long time. And have, you it, seen them, have you seen them like in Brazil and you're yes. by the oceans and you're, you, know, you, you yes. can see things from yes. that, right? I have seen everything. Holy schmuck. And, and I, I got... I got the opportunity to be with the right people and a lot of things happened. Well, now they're coming out and basically telling you that they can't explain these things, right? I mean, they've really done a, a, a 180 on, on before it was all oh, their weather balloons. Now all of a sudden they're like, well, yeah, we can't explain these things and these it's things are there. Being always there. Right. I'm just saying, but they're at least admitting that they're not air. They're not weather yeah, balloons. They're admitting because now they're going to put their fake ones to pretend it's a war. It's you are lying. That is exactly what they're saying. You know, it, are you in the pool when this is happening? Look at this salt water. <laughs> Dude, he's so he's swimming with a dolphin. In the thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll have that on. You got to somehow send that, send that to me on the Google Drive. Okay. Because I will put that in this total oh, thing. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sure. Yeah. If you got UFO videos too, so I mean, I'll, I'll put that um, no, but I, I'm gonna have you on back on. Will you come back on though? I I would. The the videos that I have, it does not show much because it was VHS tapes. Yeah. Well, we don't need the videos matter. much. I just want to have you back on, and we and we'll have this talk. Believe me, I, we'll get the right people here. It'll be a blast. It'll have, right. We'll have so much fun doing this. I was one of the probably one of the most interesting group of studies students and perpetrators of this. You know. A new 
ways to contact uh, beings from different planets, and we did a lot of communication. That's uh, we definitely got to come back. Yeah. Can you tell me anything about that right now, though? I'm now you've really got me intrigued. So you well, did communicate, like you've you've literally we did a lot of communication for for, for four years every Monday. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're definitely. I can, I can talk about it forever. No, no, no. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have you back, and we'll talk about it forever. If we have a six-hour episode, so be it. <laughs> I don't care. We'll make three episodes. Yeah, we, out of and it. there's no much news about it. Everything comes down to love, anyways. You know, we're just doing the wrong things by trying to bomb each other and kill each other. I mean, oh, should, for sure. We should not mess up with our DNAs with these vaccines things. Or we should not mess up with war wars or, or guns that hit hurts other people or animals even other plants and trees we, we should not for example um produce movies of terror to make people afraid because that vibration vibrates in several different dimensions and there are beings in other realms that we be affected with that as well. There's a lot of things that they come to teach us. They're pretty much what we call saints or gods. I mean, UFOs are, are the astronauts, right? Astronauts in the past used to call gods. That's the name for astronaut. Then they switch. Okay, let's use God for deity and astronaut for astronaut. But there's a misunderstanding about it because most of the religions are based on extraterrestrials i don't see one that's not it has to be presented to me i've been looking into that i studied um intergalactical history for 25 years solid and you promised me you're gonna come back on oh, yeah, the show can, and talk, talk about this stuff yeah no no you, you will with, yeah. as i said the, with the guys that we plan on having here we will have the greatest conversation of all time Right here on Level Up Cleveland. Thanks for having me over. <laughs> I'll be back. Cool, man. All right, everybody. I think that's going to do it for us right here, right now. We got Moises Borges here. If you guys uh, get a chance to see him, for sure, go out and see him. Go check him out. All his music is on uh, com. And also, you can find me on YouTube. You also have yeah, the, right. face, the Facebooks out there and Instagram. Well, it says Borges Musicians for Instagram. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff on. There's a lot of stuff of him on YouTube. I, I, I watched a lot of live performances, and I guarantee you will not be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, there's awesome. some deployments on YouTube for Black History Month. I have panels of discussion of on Afro-Brazilian rhythms, Afro-Brazilian culture in general, like uh, culinary, orishas, which is the... Uh, uh, African cultures that came in with the slaves to the Americas, and it's their way to worship their saints. There are about 12 of them. Each one is for a different type of, uh, uh, you know, influence that you need or you have. And there's the Afro-Brazilian food that brings a lot of delicious stuff. As a matter of fact, most of the food in Brazil now is based on that. There is a capoeira discussion panel that it took over two hours, and I have masters of the best masters of capoeira of the world talking on that zoom panel you know there are other stuff there there's a lot of bunch of interesting things um the youtube channel i always drop some things there yeah definitely definitely go check it out all right everybody we are done here another episode with moises borges and till next week so long all right <laughs>